All right, guys, I think we have finally made it. After uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of backing out, uh, no fault of their own, no fault of their own, but we, uh, we have a little bit of a different lineup tonight than we were anticipating, but it's going to be a good conversation, so please help me in welcoming, we have Jake from Pokenomics and we have Captain Zach Sparrow. How's it going, fellas? It's going good, man. It's it's going good. Happy to be here and to be able to talk with people. I'm just trying to pull up your channel right now so I can see the chat. Oh yeah, yes. And and by the way, guys, today is going to be a little bit different because unlike in the past for these roundtables where we typically bring topics to the table ourselves to discuss, we're going to leave it up to the audience tonight to let us know what they would like to hear us discuss. So you guys make sure to go ahead and put your questions, your topics into the chat, and then we will jump into those. But as I said, different lineup tonight. We had anticipated having uh, Mason on from Cardinal Gaming. As you guys saw, he ended up doing the Fusion Strike early box opening tonight, which is really exciting. And then we also had uh, Pokemon Radar, but he had a last-minute uh, emergency that he had to attend to. But nonetheless, as I said, we've got Jake and we got Captain Zach here tonight, which will have a wonderful, wonderful conversation. So the first thing I want to ask is, what have you guys been up to? Well, Zach, I haven't. We haven't actually had you on the podcast yet, um, but I'm Jake. I'm interested to know what you guys have been up to recently. I'm sure a lot of the people out there in the community would like to know uh, what's uh, what's been on the agenda for the two of you. You want to go first, Zach? Uh, sure. Yeah, I can. I, I don't know how you want us uh, to do this, Poganav, but uh, like, what have we been up to? Like, as far as investments, collect it, anything, anything at all, man. Pokemon World, life. I mean, it's just been it's been a wild year, uh, to say the least. And so, I'm just interested to know, kind of what uh, what a day in the life of uh, of Captain Zack Sparrow is like right now. Probably more specifically about Pokemon, but in general, how you been? Yeah, been, hey, been good. Had a had a good workout today. <laughs> More specifically for Pokemon, though, um, that's a great question. Uh, I think everyone's asking that right now. Everyone uh, is kind of like, what's going to happen with the PSA returns? Like, how's that going to affect the market? Uh, is now a good time to scoop up these lower prices on certain sealed product or slabs, or should we wait for something like that? So I have the same questions as probably everyone else does. Um, I just happen to make videos about it and I can be publicly shamed or praised for it if it turns out right or wrong. <laughs> so right now I've got, I've got just as many questions as I do. Well, I've got more questions than I do answers and I'm, I'm asking the same thing myself. So right now I'm, I guess I'm kind of taking a more wait and see approach. I've definitely slowed down on buying a lot in the last couple few months, I'd say. Um, really looking forward to just seeing the backlog hit us. And I think a lot of people are. So that's where I'm at. Interesting. Now, I think, I think that's kind of the consensus that I've gotten from a lot of people right now is that wait and see type of approach just to see, because it is, it is a very strange time. Like you, you had hinted towards it there about the PSA backlog um, or just backlogs in general for all of the grading companies. And to see when that flood comes out, which our boy uh, James, that's one of the big reasons why he couldn't 
join us tonight is because he is working night and day trying to get all of those PSA returns back out to people. Um, but it's going to be interesting. And on top of that, you've just got this weird uh, dynamic with modern products and shortages, shortage of supply. You've got delays, and the modern markets is 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 in such fluctuation right now. So. I think you're right. I, I, I feel that that sentiment of just kind of wait and see. Jake, what about you? Um, I've been buying I've been buying a lot uh, myself. <laughs> um, uh, I'm I'm mostly buying I'm buying sort of low end slabs and I'm buying high end stuff. Although a lot of the stuff I'm buying is not Pokemon. Um, still but i am actually starting to buy some pokemon again and i'm definitely starting to look more because i actually think that there there could actually be cards that would fall into price ranges that i feel comfortable so it 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 kind of is worth the time and the investment now to really be watching certain auctions and seeing where they fall um i'm also planning on going to more like collecticon type events and, and and other types of events this year so i'm trying to pick up a variety of inventory that I think would be would be good um, mm-hmm. and help my sort of booth stand out both in Pokemon and and other items, but also have like a a range of of items at all different price ranges that I think are you know good items that I can get cheap enough that I can offer them at what I think are really affordable win win type prices. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of my mindset when I'm when I'm looking for stuff right now for that. Um, for this, for the selling, uh, in terms of in, in investing and collecting, just continuing to try and meet my goals that I've had for six years, uh, and just trying to make progress on them one card at a time and very patient plan on being, I plan on collecting for, you know, I don't know. I mean, forever, <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, you know, you I mean, you never know how you feel in the future, but I, I certainly have like no you know, I, I never really had that fear of missing out. And I don't, I don't, I certainly don't have it now of just, you know, it's setting goals, making progress towards them uh, as far as like a, a personal collector thing. But, but yeah, spending a lot, bidding on a lot. This PWCC auction is going to be uh, uh, crazy um, tonight. I bid on 1,700 items or something insane. Wow. So it's going to be interesting to see. Like hopefully I don't win them all. <laughs> I obviously won't, but it's it's going to be interesting to see if I win any and 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 what prices. And I'm I'm fascinated to see how the how the the format works with there being so many cards and how you can't really track them all, mm-hmm. and you're only going to have like five minute windows to then raise your bids and then one minute window eventually to raise your bid. And so a lot of people are just throwing in a max bid instead of sniping like they normally would. So it'll be super interesting to for it to all play out. No, that's that's really cool, man. And, uh, you, you know, Jake, you've always kind of had that dollar cost average approach, man, where it's just like, it, does, it doesn't matter what the market's doing. Jake's always buying. And and usually in, in large amounts as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I bought no Pokemon. I think I bought five Pokemon cards over the past year. <laughs> and I bought, but I bought humongous amounts of other things. Mm-hmm. Um, Batman, Superman, DBZ, um uh harry potter middle earth uh mm-hmm. white schwartz like magic like yeah. massive amounts of things in other areas that i thought were really being overlooked and while pokemon i thought was in sort of a mania but now we're getting back to a place where i'm feeling better about a lot of the the pokemon prices and so i'm i'm kind of coming back back to back to this market it's 
not that there weren't deals in the Pokemon market, but it was almost like there were so few and it was so difficult to find them. And it just wasn't a good value of time. Mm-hmm. Whereas like these other areas, it was like, there were lots of things that I, that I felt like had, had great value. So it's just like much easier to buy that in bulk. And I'm always looking to buy big lots and buy in bulk mm-hmm. for sure. No, I, I totally agree with that. And ever since I've gotten more into the business side of TCGs in general, I really have started to expand my scope on on everything and really have taken a similar approach to you where I've taken a little bit of a back seat on Pokemon and have been exploring a lot more uh, esoteric type of, of TCGs or lesser known TCGs or TCGs that are just coming out um, and starting to... Uh, look at building positions in in those as well. So I think that's really smart. Yeah, and it's all fun. And you know, I think it's I think the important thing is setting goals and having an understanding of like what you're trying to do as you kind of broaden out because it can get. And I know Zach, like you're into MetaZoo, so am I. I'm not sure if if you are now, but like mm-hmm. when you broaden out, if you can miss more things and it just becomes more, and you can also overspend more more easily and and that addiction stuff and just like the fun mm-hmm. of all of it can get out of control too. So it's it's more to manage, but there's also a lot more opportunity in doing that and and fun because it keeps it it keeps it exciting and fun to to collect other things and learn. And for me, learning is like a huge draw. Like I mm-hmm. love just learning. So. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Excellent. Well, there you go, guys. They have been busy. Both these gentlemen have been uh, busy as always. So let's go ahead and do this. Let's jump into uh, the live chat here, see what questions uh, you guys have that you've brought in. I saw one here from uh, Zaminator who says, I would love for you guys to talk about where the staff cards will be going in the future now that they are discontinued. Zach, you want to lead us off in this one, buddy? Sure, I can. Um, Another question that I've asked myself, and I'm sure these guys probably have at some point or another as well. You know, if I could tell you with confidence, you know, uh, wherever the prices will be, however many years from now, I'd either be scooping them all up or avoiding all of them. So I'm right there with all of you guys. But okay, so like realistically, um, the first thing that I like to ask myself whenever I'm looking to make a purchase is number one, Am I interested in that purchase? So for the staff cards, it's something that interests me personally. Like, ooh, it's exclusive. It's got the little promo stamp on it. Um, that's that's subjective. If someone likes the stamp or not, I happen to like it. It gives it its own unique element. Um, from an investment standpoint, it's really interesting because of the exclusivity with it. Um, but it also doesn't necessarily make it a good investment, right? So that's what's really interesting to me um, because when you get into the higher dollar amounts, and this is why I'm always so cautious of higher end cards, like whatever it would be, the evolution staff promo, whichever one it is, the higher that dollar amount gets for me personally, it makes it a little bit more difficult to justify. And I'd like to hear Jake's uh, point on this as well. It makes it a little bit more difficult for me to justify personally okay, do I put you know 10 grand into this card or do I put 10 grand into literally anything else that could potentially see a higher percentage increase? Mm-hmm. So that's really what I'm asking myself at the end of the day. Do I see this particular card, you know, for a $10,000 card to reach $20,000? Okay, awesome, 100% return. Well, if I buy, like I talk about literally all the time, I just can't help not to, I buy a $40 ATB and it goes to $80. That did the same thing for me. Now, I'm not saying that all ATBs are going to that or anything like that, but that's 
kind of the questions that I like to ask myself would be these cheaper items, potentially, if they could perform better for me or the same or not. Just mm-hmm. because it's cheaper doesn't mean it's a better inve- investment and vice versa. So um, in a very roundabout way, yes, the, them no longer making them intrigues me. But 10 years from now, are people going to remember and care about the Vivid Voltage staff pre-release promos? I think so, uh, but it is very esoteric. And I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know at the end of the day. I think there's still a good investment. I think it's still a market that's not necessarily, um, not a big chunk of the population is aware of it. So if you look at like the numbers, the popular reports and how much everything's going for right now. And again, I don't mean to be too vague, but it is a vague, very niche market. So mm-hmm. I'm cautiously optimistic on the promos moving forward. Hopefully that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You want to jump in now or? Go ahead, Jake. Um. Yeah, so you said a lot there. So I'm trying to think of how to, like, which parts to respond. Um, I think, okay, well, I guess to the person's question, I, I think is sort of, is the discontinuing maybe to start there? Is like that, is that going to matter? Like what, like what part is that going to play in it? I don't know. First of all, when Pokemon says they're discontinuing something, it doesn't mean they're never making them again. So that, that's the first thing I would say. It means that they're not making them right now or they're, or they're changing something up right now. We don't, we don't necessarily, they didn't promise us. It's not a reserve list, ma- magic type gathering item, you know, where it's like, there's a huge confidence that they'll never do it again. So th- that's one thing I would say. Um, I'm more of a fan of the Stamped World's promos, including the staff ones. I will always be much, much more of a fan of those cards. They're a lot more unique to me. They have a lot more of a story and they're tied into the biggest, you know, event, uh, the, the world's event. Um, then like the, the staff cards from, from set cards, which is what I assume he's, uh, the, the question is, is talking about, uh, it would all depend on price point. So it's, it's kind of a non-answer, but it's just the truth. And it really gets to Zach's answer, which is just like, it all depends on price point. Where would I rate those versus, I mean, the thing I like about staff cards or stamped cards is that they're affordable trophies. They're, an, they're a rare card that like any that almost anyone could own. And I think that the reason why I love the world's promos in particular so much was for that reason, because I saw the, the full art Pikachu, you know, the, 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 tro- the, the Pikachu trophies going for $100,000, $150,000. And then a card that was awarded the same sort of way just to a lesser, a lesser place within that tournament that was only like 10 times like less rare going for $100 or $150 or $200 at the same time, right? That made no sense. And a $200 item is so much it's so much more easy for a $200 item to go to a thousand, which is exactly what they did, you know, over the last six months, most of these items, because there's a lot more people who can afford that $200 item. There's a lot more people who can afford that a thousand dollar item, you know? And, and so I, that's the type of stuff I'm always, I'm always thinking about. And then I'm thinking about from a business perspective, what, what, who are you trying to sell to? Like, who are you catering to? And And this is, this is what's missing. This is missing from, from a decent amount of the content, which is that like, if you are a business that if you're a person like like Radar or SM Pratt who deals a lot in high-end trophies, like you're gonna probably know which one to buy a little more, you're gonna know what to do with it, and you're gonna have all those relationships to easily be able to sell it. So it makes more sense to play in that sort of market. If you don't have that, 
sort of thing and and you have a store or you have a, a great eBay business that caters more toward like middle lower dollar amounts then probably getting a lot of modern product at at retail is going to be a much more profitable mm-hmm. sensible business strategy and business plan now as far as like an investment gosh you know i i really don't know a lot of it's going to depend on price point and depend on just like how well pokemon does obviously um what we have seen and last thing i'll say is that I've really been digging into the numbers this week in, in preparing for like the the, Patre- the Patreon analytics and the tens and the the rarest stuff and the trophy stuff overall has come down a lot less and has done a lot better and stabilized a lot more. And the stuff that's really come down a lot were like the PSA nines and the PSA eights um, or the, or the, the less rare stuff, particularly, particularly in vintage. And the same thing is going to happen to modern Pokemon as all these PSA cards come back. Mm-hmm. And so, and it's true for some of these stamps too. There's a lot more of these stamps than there are of maybe some other stamped cards or, or some world's promo type cards or some, you know, cards that came out in other sort of ways. So that's sort of my, uh, my maybe fuller answer on like, wh- you know, wh- what do I think about those? I, I, I think if you like them, and you enjoy them and you get them for, I don't know, a few hundred bucks, 150 bucks, like you're, it's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm not buying massive amounts of them. So I think that, you know, that means that I don't think that they're an amazing place to, to make a lot of money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, things that you both said that are really good what I like that Zach said is, you know, how much are you willing to put into this particular item? And for me, I've always viewed Pokemon cards as just an asset class, right? So it's like, how much am I willing to reallocate from other investment classes, other asset classes, and put that towards something in Pokemon? It would have to be very good, and the ROI on it, I would think, would have to be, you know, above and beyond what I would invest in another asset class, in real estate, in the stock market, in crypto, what have you. And so if all you're invested in is Pokemon, well, right there, you need to kind of reevaluate <laughs> your position. Um, but if if you are, if all you are is invested in Pokemon, look at what your market is like. Like Jake said, who are you going to be selling to? Who do you plan on selling to? And and what kind of capital do you have? Is it better off, like you said, to go with an ETB that the return, the margin, is going to be the same, but you're into it for a lower price point, for a lower cost basis, and you can maybe move more quantities to come up with a similar um, a similar return, a similar profit margin. So I, uh, I like both of those. And what, what I want to say to you guys as well is um, I also want to turn this conversation over to you in the sense that if you guys see a particular question in the chat that interests you or that you think is really good, by all means, just pick it out and uh, and, and we'll go ahead and discuss it. So if you guys saw one in there, um, by all means, go ahead and uh, and take that one and run with it. So it looks like the second question here by Kevin Wetzel is, what do you guys think of what might happen in the secondary market for collectibles of all kinds going up due to the possible issues of being able to get gifts this holiday season? Okay. So if I'm understanding correctly, it's that will prices go up in the holiday season and the fact that people are, are buying gifts, will that impact sales for people? Well, I mean, I think if if I can jump in on this one, I think if we're talking about, 
you know, modern products, if we're talking about new Pokemon releases, then I would absolutely say yes, because most people are going to be purchasing a lot of these products off of the secondary market. Um, celebrations, I have heard in certain parts of the country that the supply has been better than in others, um, especially in like big box stores. But then in other places, uh, like here in Arizona, there's nothing on shelves. I've gone to, I can't tell you, Walmart's Target, uh, Barnes & Noble. Uh, I've probably been to 30 different ones, and there's nothing on shelves. So I think that the the disparity there in a lot of modern products and being able to access that, especially new releases, is is very different for, for different people. So the majority are going to be purchasing these off of the secondary market, and I think a lot of resellers understand that. They understand that there continues to be shortages, and they understand that there's going to be a high demand in the fourth quarter of this year because it is the holiday season. So more than likely, you're going to see those prices start to move back up again. And then we move forward to something like Fusion Strike, which is coming out next month. In fact, here in just a, a few weeks. And we already know that there is going to be as much as a 70% supply cut for Fusion Strike. So you can almost guarantee that the prices are going to be much, much higher for those products. Um, if we talk about vintage, um, that one's a little bit more difficult because it is so broad and, and there's a lot of different price points and a full spectrum that people could be buying from. Um, so I don't know that vintage is as much tied to a specific time of year as, as modern would be. I, to me, I feel like vintage in a lot of ways is tied more towards influence. Um, I think that much in the same way as the stock market, especially when we're talking about graded cards, typically we have these critical mass points. We have a Logan Paul break or, or something like that that really catalyzes a lot of the, the vintage market and especially pockets of the vintage market. Um, so I that that's just my perspective. I think that modern and new releases, you'll certainly see that with vintage. It, it just probably depends on on maybe what niche or what area you're looking at. Yeah, I I agree um, with that take. You know, I think same answer for modern. I think vintage, we could sit here and come up with theories of how it's going to like hurt vintage because people are going to be saving up their money for like gifts. And so they're going to be, and that people aren't buying those vintage high-end cards for gifts. And so it's going to hurt that because people need to save up a little bit more money. So they're not spending a fat or even and there are plenty of modern booster boxes that are going for, you know, 800 to, you know, or 500 to 1,500 too. I'd, I put those in the same category that are, those are less likely to be gifts versus like a $60 ETB, $100 ETB. But mm. I, I think that's kind of getting into the weeds and isn't necessarily like a note, like, I don't know how to quantify how many people out there are like that. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect that to be like a noticeable trend, but it's fun to like theorize all, all possibilities. But mm. um, yeah, I, I, it's, this whole past year, it really hasn't, things have not followed those sorts of normal trends because what happened in the Pokemon hobby was so much more, was so much more intense than any like smaller thing, like a holiday, you know? Um, so now that we're getting back to maybe a little bit more of a uh, normal ish, um, uh, we'd have to define exactly what that means, but, but, 
but um yeah but i'm still trying to figure that out myself <laughs> we might see things like that which would normally would affect sales have more of a of a, a stronger impact certainly if mason was here he would say i'm sure that his store particularly you know sees quite a bit of an uptick around around you know the the holidays and people buying presents and gifts for people i would imagine mm-hmm Um, I don't really have much to add to all of that. I agree with you guys. Um, the only thing I would say would be, uh, I guess to put it in my own words would be, yes, I think we'll see an uptick during the holiday season. I don't think that's anything, uh, outlandish to expect or assume. And then, um, yeah, as far as vintage, we could uh, talk about that all day long. Like Jake said about whether we think it'll go up, down, kind of stay right where around it's at. And then it'll be interesting to see why we get this wave of PSA cards during that time, um, how that will impact the market. And to be completely honest, I have no idea uh, what will happen. If I did know, I would be buying a whole lot of product because I have all the answers. But yeah, no, no idea for vintage either. But uh, yeah, I, I think we'll see an uptick on modern. Uh, how much? I don't know. It really depends. I think it'll be more so than we see now, but everything's so crazy now. Mm-hmm. Um, which uh, I, I did see another question if we kind of wanted to jump into that. Yeah, go ahead. Um, kind of tied in. Someone said, um, did, you, did any of you think that Celebration Sealed product would remain this expensive for this long? So I don't know if this would be necessarily a long time. I guess it would depend on what you would expect for that. Um, I did not anticipate certain products being quadruple MSRP right out of the gate. I'm sure a lot of us did not or else... Uh, some of us might have been buying certain product a little bit more, but mm-hmm. um, no, I, I did not you expect buy those products. That's why they went up so much, unless you had the distributed connections. <laughs> exactly. So no, I, I didn't expect it to be that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll I'll just go ahead and piggyback um, off of yours, like with with celebrations. In, in some ways, um, I. I was expecting this because I've seen how abysmal um, the Pokemon company has handled subsequent waves with all of their products. And we actually, so here's a funny thing. And a lot of people out there might not even know this, but we just got the third wave of battle styles. And what a lot of people don't know is when you're working with a distributor, they don't actually give you any type of forewarning when they're going to send out a subsequent wave for Pokemon. The only reason you know is that you receive a tracking number with the items that are being shipped to you. That's when you know that you're essentially your your next wave of Pokemon is coming. And we just got that the other day for Battle Styles uh, booster boxes. We didn't get anything about uh, ETBs. We didn't get anything about uh, individually sleeved uh, blisters, blister packs anything like that the only one was um booster boxes and it was a pretty small wave this last one was a a pretty small one um but then we look back and we're still waiting on second wave of chilling rain second wave of evolving skies um and there's there's no there's no kind of rhyme rhyme or reason to the intervals in which they're releasing these so I really had no expectation that we were going to get a significant amount of celebrations anytime soon. And then compounded with that, we also got the notification that the collector's chests were going to be delayed all the way until the end of November. 
And then we knew that the figure collection, the ultra premium collection were already gonna be heavily allocated. So right there, you just have, you, you just have this cacophony of, of noise and products that, that would suggest that yes, we would see a spike in these products because there's just not any of them out there. And what we've been talking about since the beginning of this podcast is uncertainty. There's just so much uncertainty right now. And Pokemon as a company certainly hasn't really helped out in resolving a lot of that unknown and uncertainty. And so a lot of people are, are clamoring to try to get products and, and are basically just saying, you know what, I'm just going to get it now because I know I can get it. It's probably going to be an exorbitant price, but I know I can get it now because who knows when it may come back out again and who knows if it, it may, right? We can look back at something like the Calyrex V-Box. We can look at the Trainer's Toolkit, the Marnie Box. There is, I don't think we're ever going to get another wave of those. Now, never, never say never, right? But there is there is really no outlook in sight that we're going to get those products again. So if you if you got those, even if it was at a higher price, maybe that was a good idea, maybe it wasn't. But that that's just kind of my take. I, I, I really fully expected for celebrations to be um, crazy and, and it was. Yeah. I'm so, I mean, I heard from a couple people that a second wave of evolving skies and celebrations they got today. So I, but you know, it's, it's all over the place. So, and I don't know how much that actually means and how big those things are going to be. So it's, you know, and, and what impact that'll have in the market. I know that, you know, a little piece of data, you know, when, when Rudy does a sale for evolving skies or for celebrations, it sells out in less than 30 seconds. So, and he's selling that basically at market. He doesn't really sell it under about mm-hmm. at market. So, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, you save money cause you don't have to pay the taxes if you're not a business and also, mm-hmm. um, um, shit, he pays the shipping. So, and I'm sure he gets a great deal cause he buys pallet and pallet. So it's, it's one of those kind of like win-win business models. That he's got going on, but um, but the real point behind all of that is just that that um, uh, the speed thirty seconds, and and that was so it used to take hours for something like that to sell. So um, we're still in that in that type of market at least at least for those two sets. Um, you know, clearly not the same thing for for battle styles uh, or, or chilling rain either. Even though chilling rains, you know, not maybe not. Uh, uh, you know, if there's a little bit more of an argument to be made that that, that was a better set than Battle Styles and was a little bit slept on compared, you know. But for me, though, all of that stuff, although true, and I like, I agree with people who make these like moderns and differentiations between like this is the better one than this. I don't, I wouldn't invest in any of it. I think it's all too risky. And I think in five years from now, like I might be able to get those those products at the exact same price that they're right now. Like it would not shock me at all. And then I would have saved five years and I'm plowing all this money into things that I, if Pokemon is strong, I know for a fact will not be available. These like higher end vintage items and these rare trophy cards, they will be in collections. You will not be able to get them. And so I, you know, I just, I just think that there, if you're, if you think Pokemon's going to be, you know, successful in the long run, those are just smarter plays. I also happen to like those items better. So it, it's sort of that double thing from a collector. But it also wouldn't surprise me, and I made a video on this, if a lot of these products are double or triple what they are in a few years because they didn't print enough because Pokemon, you know, was 
continued to roar on and they because there were so many sets from Pokemon that they 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 never were able to really go back and 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 print more and they just kind of moved on to the next thing. It's like both of those things seem reasonable to me. Mm-hmm. It's also reasonable that we hit some sort of macroeconomic difficulty in the world and people are not buying any of this stuff and I think that's going to hit vintage really hard and it's going to hit modern really hard and you know and and so you really there really isn't a, a way to protect from that other than like spend below your, you know, you know, <laughs> raise your income or, you know, don't, you know, spend, uh, uh, um, you know, keep, keep a nice gap between the amount of money you take in as an income and the amount you're just spending in general and don't put yourself, you know, too far in debt. But, um, everyone has different risk tolerance with this stuff and, and, and wants to play it a different way. And then also people like collecting different things and it makes them happy. And that's, mm-hmm. that's the other huge part of it that people, you know, and, and everyone's going to make their own place, their own bets. Mm-hmm. Pokey kid 92. He's got an interesting one here, which is kind of the direction that we were headed um, in talking about other TCGs. And Jake, you had mentioned you were, you were, during this time, looking a lot more into other TCGs. He says, I want to hear some My Hero Academia talk. How has the release looked? Any uh, buzz on it? Um, If you guys don't mind, I'll start off on this one. So My Hero, the interesting thing about My Hero, so this was uh, produced by Jasco Games for the new My Hero set. It's an extremely popular anime, anime, strong IP, all things that I really liked about it. But Jasco did an absolutely abysmal job of promoting this new TCG. A lot of people didn't even know that the boxes that have been released are actually first edition boxes. It has limited edition first uh, limited first edition print on the box itself, including the two player rival deck. And then they released also a, a DLC pack as well. But Jasco never even made mention of this. I was actually, and the only reason that I found out about this is that we got our My Hero products from uh, through Asmodee, which was the preferred distributor for uh, Jasco. And we asked them, we said, hey, uh, we've heard through the grapevine that these are going to be first edition boxes, uh, do you know, to our sales rep. And they, they had no idea. And the way that we found out was Jasco has a very small podcast and they announced it on the, we're, we're talking less than like 500 subscribers and like, you know, maybe like, 20 people tuning into their podcast and they announced it on there. And so we were actually the first ones to actually announce this publicly. So it was just an abysmal job. So right now you're seeing like the the booster boxes, I think secondary market prices are a little over $100 at this point. But what I'm interested to see is that early next year you will start seeing all of the unlimited boxes that will be in Targets, Walmarts, all the big box stores, the unlimited prints will start on November 15th, I believe. October 15th was the release of first edition products. So I will be interested to see after November 15th, after they start being featured in the bigger stores and start getting more notoriety, will people start to then realize, hey, I've got an unlimited box, but there was a first edition print run as well. So... You know, for me personally, we we released a ton of these on uh, Pokey Realm. In fact, we've got a bunch of them up right now, first edition boxes. And I've just set some aside for myself where I'm really, I think the, the, the real the real testing ground will be early next year when a lot of these boxes are in big stores, there's more, more notoriety, 
And you also get the subsequent set, which is, I think, called Crimson Rampage, that will be released around, I think, February of next year. That'll be the real the real turning point to see where I think it's actually going to go and, and if it's a sustainable TCG. So, yeah, it's really interesting. My Hero Academia was the sixth best-selling manga in 2019 and the eighth best-selling manga in 2020. There are thousands and thousands of manga, different different manga out there. So that's really interesting, number one. Number two, it's in such a fragile state right now uh, because it is so new. So obviously it's not, um, it's not established, right? So it, at this point, it really could do anything. It could pull a MetaZoo tomorrow, for all I know. It could be the next Yu-Gi-Oh, for all I know. Um, and, and I'm really sincere when I when I mention that too. It's um, it's an extremely extremely popular anime. That's why they made a card game out of it. However, I would say, uh, have you guys heard of the World of Warcraft TCG? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So it, it, I really could see it do anything. However. To, to Pokenav's point, um, so yeah, I, I'm not like holding a ton of products, stonking it out. However, do I see potential there? Absolutely. Um, however, with Pokenav, I actually didn't even hear about it until I got uh, Poker Realms newsletter. I was like, whoa, what's, what is going on here? Like, I'm pretty, um, I, I would like to think I'm fairly in the know on a lot of up and coming TCGs. I'm just in the hobby all the time. Uh, that's the sort of information I consume a lot of. And the fact that I didn't hear about it at all um was kind of a red flag to me kind of like what you said now so um it'll be really interesting in the next you know however many months however many couple of years to see how they run it are they going to print it into the ground is it going to be exclusive is it going to be uh ran well so there are a lot of questions right now like i said it's in a very fragile state so it's not something where it's like a lock for me but it is a very interesting play and uh something for me like if you want to have like I don't, something in your investing collectible portfolio uh, in my opinion, I think it would be a riskier um, kind of a bet almost, but definitely interesting. Yeah, I definitely would not buy a lot of it. I just, to be completely honest, um, th- these are items that could be $15 a box, you know, and, and there are countless ex- examples from huge, like Panini DBZ is a great example, but there, there are countless examples of boxes I'm buying for ten dollars you know eight dollars that were once 60 70 dollars from from huge things I think white Schwartz is a much better option for people who want to like invest or engage in anime at this time mm-hmm. that being mm-hmm. said you know because white Schwartz you can get for if you buy like if you if you can buy it from like the best places to buy it I won't go into detail right here but you can you can really get them for about fifty dollars a box 16 boxes you know, um, and you get three signed cards by the actual character, by the actual voice actor in the anime. Mm -hmm. You know, it's great looking art. Like, obviously some of it's like, you know, it is like waifu-ish, some of it, (laughs) but there's also, there's also parts that aren't. I think buying that for like the best anime makes sense. You know, buying some of that product, getting some of those, they're called SP cards, which are the, which are those signed cards, really good looking cards at this point in time. That being said, like I want to buy some because I want to see what it's all about, and I enjoy opening cards and I enjoy new stuff. So mm-hmm. I'm not like no part of me is going to be buying a pallet, but I definitely be interested in like picking up a box at eighty bucks because I like cards and it's fun and it's fun to like open open new stuff. So that's my personal feeling on it. 
when it when I when I was seeing it at around 100, I was like, you know, no thank you for me. But if I could get it around like 80 for me personally, you know, I, I'd be I'd be interested, you know, if, if that doesn't break the bank for you and just just for fun. Um, and then if you want to keep a few boxes, hoping that they're going to go up or maybe you'll open them later. I don't think there's anything like criminal about that. But I do think you should understand the history of of games and card games like that. Although, you know, that 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 wasn't in a period as bullish and as man, you know mania as we're still in right now. And mm-hmm. and the truth is, is like this game's pretty early. Like I would, if this mania keeps going, there's going to be like 10 more games that are going to come after this one. And because this one's like fairly early ish, it might do a lot better than some of those. And, you know, you just, you just never really know. I haven't opened it now. So like, for me also, it would have to do with like, what's inside, what are the pull rates? Like what, what cool items do they put? Do they have sign cards? Do they have like one of ones? What do they, I would want to talk. If I was going to buy like a palette, I'd want to talk to the makers and get a sense of what, what are their plans for this? Is this a collector game? Is this a player game? What does the player base look like? Mm-hmm. You know, I'd really want to know all of those things. If you're buying one box, you don't really, you know, it's whatever. Right. <laughs> so. Right. Well, and, and ultimately it's a really good point because I think for any successful TCG and, and this is another thing, uh, somebody else had a question on this, which I figured we would probably get into eventually. Um, but I think for any TCG, you have to have, a strong player base for it to be sustainable. I, I really feel that way. You have to have people that like to play the game. You have to have people that are going to card shops, to uh, conventions, that are going to tournaments, that are playing this, that are actively engaging in it. Um, and the one thing that I will say about uh, my hero, um, I'm not a big player in any TCG. I'll be 100% upfront about that. But from what I understand with my hero is it is very uh, difficult to learn. Um, and that may impede a lot of people breaking into it. You know, with Pokemon, um, I sat down, you know, over a couple hours and was like, okay, I got it. You know, like I, I could, I could grasp it very quickly. You know, kids can get it, but when you start getting into some of these other card games, that your your demographic starts to shrink down more and more, and you essentially exclude others, uh, other demographics, maybe because of the difficulty of it. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see how it how it fares based upon that, and that is what leads me to. Uh, somebody had a question in here more generally just about MetaZoo. Um, but we actually finally, uh, both myself and some of my other businesses, finally got in with Golden Distribution for carrying MetaZoo. We still don't know how much that's actually going to be or whether that's how all of this is going to transpire, but we finally got in. And the big question on my mind for the sustainability of MetaZoo is since they released their initial product cryptid nation they've done a a pretty poor job of building that base of players of building that community around a product that i i think ultimately lends to its sustainability and uh i'll go ahead and turn it over to you guys whichever you want to take um the reins on this one uh but just kind of discussing metazoo and and what you've seen we're on to the second set now the beta set essentially um what have you seen from it thus far and what are your perceptions of of how they've handled things you feel like going first jake or you either way (laughs) okay um (laughs) I'll go first just because I might forget this point, if that's okay. <laughs> um, 
So I had a really interesting conversation. Uh, I'm glad that you brought this up. So it was like a week or two ago at this point, I called a bunch of my buddies that I graduated college with who none of them are in the card collecting space. I wanted kind of an outside biased opinion of, of people that I know. Um, I know what their backgrounds are. A lot of them are engineers and businessmen and th things like that. So um, it was really interesting when I asked them what their opinion was on this up and coming TCG, just to hear their different experiences. Um, and this is totally anecdotal, by the way, guys, I'm not saying that you should take this as the gospel or anything like that, but I want to throw this little nugget out there for it. Uh, Cause I think it is relevant. Um, and what I mean by that is it's really, it's really interesting. The, how polarizing MetaZoo is right now, right? I won't ignore that, the elephant in the room. And that's when you know you have something. And I'm not saying that MetaZoo is going to be the next Pokemon or anything like that. It could seriously fall on its face in the next few months. It could seriously be the next big thing. What was interesting about every single one of these guys that I called, all of them said something along the lines of, Oh, that's really interesting. And all of them said something to the effect of, you know, I really liked cryptids. I actually studied them at some point or another, or I play games and it's already got that baked in audience, which to me personally, I don't really know anything about cryptids and never, it just wasn't a me thing. Um, so it's really interesting hearing all those different opinions, knowing that there are mindsets out there that that just strikes a chord with them. So the fact that people write that off so quickly is very interesting. And to me, that shows that there's potential opportunity. And again, I'm not saying that it's the next big, best, next best thing, but what's really, really interesting to me is the potential for growth, right? The more risk you have potentially, you could have more growth there. It's at net zero right now. So sure. If I buy, uh, I don't even know how much they are now. I think the Nightfall boxes are like $250 a box. If I buy several boxes of those or however many boxes of those, for me personally, I'm going to be able to sleep at night knowing full well if that goes to zero tomorrow, I, Zach's going to be okay. I didn't put all of my money in that. But if, and I'm saying if, if that's the next, and I'm not saying Pokemon, it's just a, got a place in the market personally for me Man, I really like MetaZoo personally, though. So, <laughs> but, uh, so I'm biased. I'm biased. So I'll I'll let that come out here. But I really like MetaZoo, and I'm not saying I like it from an investment in that I am sure that it's going to go to the moon. But I do really like it because the potential is there, and that it is so early. And because of that, it has that potential for that extreme growth. So hopefully that makes sense. I know a lot mm -hmm. of people. Uh, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Sorry. Yeah, I, I always found the hate for MetaZoo fascinating. To me, MetaZoo is a much better investment than modern Pokemon. And I was saying this in discords extremely early on, because although I thought the prices were silly and that it was highly likely to fail, the poker player in me understood the implied odds, you know, understood that it had so, like it could exponentially grow so much because everything that modern Pokemon, this is not. This is something brand new with all new characters. This is the first ever, and it's going to be the most historic items in the franchise or the first stuff. They are actually focusing on collectability. 
And Pokemon has done that more, mm-hmm. but Pokemon doesn't do any one of ones, any samples, any, any, you know, any things that are truly rare and scarce and difficult to find and get. MetaZoo is doing all of that. They have a they have a person in charge who is pushing all of that and constantly trying to come up with new, interesting ways of doing that. And so for me, and I understood the modern sports market and I understood the hunger for one of ones, one of a hundreds, and they didn't really exist outside of like Marvel trading cards in any sort of non-sports you know, item or element, I guess they exist in Fortnite too. And, and, you know, some other things, but you know, these super like rare, hard to pull cards, but you know, Fortnite's even, you know, is very small. So, um, so for me, it was the situation of like, it's silly. It's kind of insane. And the amount of hype and interest and engagement and prices are wild for, to me, but if you want to be in something with a very high risk and a very high potential reward, MetaZoo is an interesting place. Now, I think it's interesting at retail mm-hmm. <laughs> or trying to get it below MSRP. Like it's much less interesting buying it at those higher prices to me. Um, you also have to understand if you're investing in MetaZoo, they are coming out with more and more one of a hundred promos. And so every time they have, there are only a hundred of that card, but now there are seven different promos that are only a hundred of that card. So really there are 700 and they're all competing with each other. Now mm-hmm. there's a lot more room. And if it gets popular, that's nothing. We have tons of promos in Pokemon that are all extremely valuable that all have larger print runs and all those things, much, much larger. Like the Misakis have 35,000 print runs, for example, mm-hmm. you know, and, and those are very expensive cards. So it's, it's very interesting I think it's a fun, it's a fascinating psychology to study MetaZoo, to study how people react to it and how it does is going to tell it tells us a lot about what's going on. I don't think there's anything to compare this to. Um, what I would look for is I look at like the last mania. Was there any sort of, you know, like that happened in the 90s around a lot of these collectibles? Were there any like card collectibles? I mean, we could think of like maybe Beanie Babies, right? As like something that kind of came up, was part of that mania and Believe it or not, there were people on like the news and and other sort of social media like us saying, we're going to invest in this stuff for 40 years and be interested in this stuff for the rest of our lives. And there are plenty of clips of people saying that, right? And feeling those sorts of feelings and really believing that. And then we saw what happened, but that was because of overprinting, oversupply, that there was endless amounts of this stuff sitting in warehouses and the fact that 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 demand fell off a lot kind of all at once. And, and that, you know, and, and Michael Waddell, who I talked to is a student, I think of these failed things <laughs> and is going to try to be very careful for that not to happen. He's also partnering with every single influencer and every single, <laughs> and every single person under the sun right now. And obviously that's like, people don't like, like a number of people hate that and they really don't like that. They also really hate that it's working from a financial perspective and attention perspective, I get that. I understand those sentiments and, you know, and I, and I think that that's a difficult balance and that, that's an interesting discussion, you know, in and of itself. But as far as just like a pure investment play, like a long shot play, I'm definitely going to be buying like Rudy's MetaZoo thing tomorrow if I can get it, you know, at, at a fairly cheap evaluation plus the Rudy promo card, but also because I think it's fun because mm-hmm. I like it. it it's fun and for me, that amount of money is not, it's fine. If it goes to zero, I'm, I'm fine. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not upset. I, I enjoy it. I'm definitely not the dude out there though. Who's paying $30,000 for sample Mothman and building a humongous trophy collection of all of those. And that dude might end up hitting like, you know, 
having a very valuable collection that that you know might be huge it it could be i don't really know i definitely don't have that sort of comfort or or interest in doing that but i think that sort of buying below msrp or at msrp i guess you know for something like nightfall when you know they they've extended the print run up to like 80,000 or 50,000 i forget now at the top of my head 80,000 i think you know from 25,000 and they're going to keep doing that and they're going to keep making more and more and more and for me, I, I see much higher upside with MetaZoo over Flesh and Blood, but I would, but I, if I had to bet which one was going to be here in five years, I'd bet Flesh and Blood if I had to bet one of them because of the player base um, and just the stability around something like that. I just think that I think that MetaZoo could be more of that high flyer, you know, gets too close to the sun, gets burned. But if I had to put money on it, I would bet in favor of MetaZoo also because I like it and I hope it succeeds and I want to su- I want it to succeed. And it's it's biased. I have a biased. There's something about it. I have an affinity towards it, towards that art. And that game reminds me of Pokemon, mm-hmm. you know, and and so it is what it is. And I like cryptids. I've always loved monsters and I've always loved stories and tales. So it very much appeals to me on that level. Um, but people paying $13,000, $30,000, $50,000 for single cards is um, outrageous. You know, you can buy, you can get cards that are that like almost that important in the Pokemon world for that, for those prices. And, and certainly as an investment, if you're just thinking about money, I would definitely go for Pokemon over mm-hmm. Medicine. Mm-hmm. So, or probably even sports as well, Jake, right? I mean, vintage sports cards as well in that, in similar price range. Yeah, good luck getting cards in the sports now. <laughs> sales this year, like it's there are probably there are now hundreds and hundreds of sports cards over a million dollars. Like probably a thousand sports cards over a million dollars now. That's crazy. <laughs> crazy. That's yeah. insane. I, I do like what you guys said about MetaZoo though. Um because I, I have a similar sentiment. I like the uh sort of the the connotation behind it you know the vibe that it gives off the cryptids the nightfall i'm looking forward to the uh, metazoo ufo because i've always been into the paranormal and to ufos extra all that all that stuff all the paranormal and so i i do i have an attachment to it as well in that sense that i like the themes that they're going with and i think there's a lot of people out there that have uh you know kind of a similar attachment um to to those type of themes and uh i i already said if they if they come out with like a you know a character card for fox Mulder and dana scully i'm all in doesn't matter what the price like pokey nav's all in on a, a Mulder and scully card <laughs> i i think um the other point that you made nav that you need playability i think so you don't like clearly there's no playability in sports there's no playability in comics so you don't need playability in a collector in a hobby for it to be very valuable and for it to sustain value but we haven't seen someone like try to do like we haven't seen and pokemon the hobby we're in right it's it's really it isn't based on on uh the the high prices and the trophy cards and all you know and all the high prices on vintage is not and not based on playability but when you don't have that playability, you're so dependent on keeping people's attention on like, and wanting to collect and wanting the arts and being connected to the story and the characters Mm -hmm. and all sorts of things. And so it, it makes the IP like so important and having a new game with a new IP, although yes, the, the IP works in large part because there are these cryptids that we actually connect to or or remember and, and know about, but it's, it's it's certainly risky. It's why I say flesh and blood, if I had to bet which one would still be here without 
but I would bet on MetaZoo. So I hope everyone understands the math behind this. I'd put money into MetaZoo over flesh and blood because the upside is much higher for me and the, and the gambles that like worth it to me, but I'm, there's much higher chance I'm going to lose all my money or almost all my money in MetaZoo versus flesh and blood for me because of the playability. That's my overall take on it. No, yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I think that the playability adds a dimension to that. I think that, you know, for something that is based purely on the collectible aspect, the collectability, I think that the 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 IP, the, the company has to continually outdo themselves. So every single set has to be twice as good. The arts have to be twice as good. You have to go, you know, you have to make that progression all the time from, um, you know, a, a full art to a hyper rare to a gold to an amazing rare to, or, you know, whatever it is. Like it, it constantly has to be getting better and better and better. Um, where if you do have that playability aspect, then there's people out there, um, you know, I've had the pleasure of speaking with uh, Omnipoke and a lot of the, the really big competitive players out there will pay bigger money for a card that isn't necessarily collectible, but because it was so it was so pivotal for them at a certain point in time when they were playing the game like it was a huge card built into the decks at that time and people will pay more because of that sort of uh nostalgia of the well, magic is the best example of that right magic's right. the best example of that the power 9 is what it is because people it was the strongest cards and everyone wanted it because of the playability versus no one played so many less the reason charizard was the strongest is it wasn't playable you know, hitmonchan and chancy were the playable ones but <laughs> people wanted charizard because you're the fire breathing dragon it shows mm -hmm. you the even as little kids the difference in the psychology of like what what was drawing people to those things and why mm -hmm. people were doing it mm -hmm. and i think that also lends to the the demographic that they're appealing to you know magic is a much older uh, demographic, whereas Pokemon has always kind of been more appealing towards towards children, and so um, I think that's that's certainly a, a characteristic. And and again, one with like MetaZoo that it 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 is very reminiscent of Pokemon, especially classic Pokemon in the artwork. And and I think, as you guys said, I enjoy that aspect as well. Uh, let's see, anything else that you guys are seeing in the chat that is standing out to you? I'm sure people had some opinions on. <laughs> on <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure very strong opinions. That gets the chat moving usually. <laughs> yeah. Um, here's one, Nicholas. Uh, what do you guys think about Dragon Ball Super versus MetaZoo versus Flesh and Blood long term? Um, we've already kind of given our opinions on MetaZoo and Flesh and Blood, and comparing those two. Um, I guess, I guess, maybe a good um, a good overall question for that would be. Um, you know, outside of Pokemon, Jake, you, you were talking about it earlier, some of the ones that you were looking at, what are, what are some of the top contenders right now that you've got on your radar that you think, uh, you know, have good potential, uh, both short-term and long-term active games or dead, dead things too. Both. Let's talk about both. Um, well, giving away my hand here when I'm still buying actively now. Um, <laughs> oh, I, so I like a lot of vintage stuff, a lot of really old stuff, a lot of stuff from, from the 1890s, from the 1910s, 1920s, 1930s, 1940s, 1950s, 1960s, et cetera, et cetera. And there are different 
um, not as, not TCGs necessarily, but collectible cards from a lot of those eras of different IPs that I really like. Mm-hmm. So, for example, like 1940s Superman are the first ever superhero cards in the existence of planet Earth. Um, they're from it's the first ever superhero and it's the first ever card uh, of that superhero from 1940, the same year that, you know, the same year that the those multi-million dollar comics were coming out. Mm-hmm. The, these cards came out. They're very scarce. They're extremely hard to find in high grade. Zero tens exist in the world. A handful of nines in the entire set. And, you know, the vast majority of them are, P- are not even PSA ones. They're, they're just trash. So I like that. Um, I, I like that people don't know about it. I like that it's not talked about on social media. I like that it's not the hot thing right now and the hype thing now, but it has the story. It, uh, and I also just love them from a collector's perspective. I, I feel privilege is too strong of a word because it's cardboard, <laughs> but I feel, I feel like I have something really cool because I really like cards. Like I, I, I have an affinity there. They're important to my life. I collected all sorts of cards as a kid and there's something meaning, meaningful is probably the best word to me about having pieces of history like that. Mm-hmm. And just like I find it meaningful having PSA 10 first edition Watsi hollows. Like I find that meaningful to have one of the only, you know, 60 or 70 because it was a card that was so important to me as a child. So I like those. I like 1966 Batman. I like 1935 Mickey Mouse cards, the first ever Mickey Mouse cards, the first ever Batman cards. I like 1966 Do- Marvel Donruss. I like, um, I like Terry Potter a lot. You know, now it got a lot more heat and then I kind of moved on to the next thing. But before it did, I, I, I enjoy it. Now that's more of a kind of a fun thing for me, mm-hmm. but you know, I liked that. I liked, I like DBS. I, you know, I think it's fun. I, I preferred score in DBZ. Um, me and, too. and I liked, me too. you know, and so I, I have a huge score collection and bought a little bunch of boxes that I plan to like open and enjoy someday. Hopefully. Um, what else do I really like? Um, I like civil war cards. I like, I have these like horrors of war cards from 1938 that are um, uh, the cards that came out in, and they depicted war scenes in from world war two and going up into world war two. Mm-hmm. My, my family is a Holocaust survivors. Part of that. My family fought in the war. Those things have significant personal value to me as a collector. There are also these amazing sets that young people in social media doesn't talk about. You know what? One best set of the year for PSA this year, 1938 horrors of war. That set. Wow. You know, so in in the older collector base, those things are extremely valued and and enjoy. Just younger collectors, social media collectors don't don't talk about it, don't know about it. Now, those things may never appeal. You know, I, I think the Superman and the Batman and the Mickey Mouse and the Looney Tunes stuff I'm doing and the Marvel 1966 stuff, I don't understand how that wouldn't appeal to like so many people our age because we grew up with all of these characters and I think that they're connected and important to a lot of what we're doing. Obviously, some people just don't like superheroes and they prefer Japanese and all that sort of stuff. Like I totally get personal taste and preference, but I think a certain number of people would connect to those. I think some of these horrors of war and civil war cars are a little bit of a harder sell, but there's also a different group that can be into them like history buffs and mm-hmm. they have each battle is talked about on the back. And I love reading them because I'm learning about history and I'm holding this thing that's almost a hundred years old. And, you know, I, it's, it's, it gives me a very different experience. Let me put it that way than holding a Pokemon card, particularly a modern Pokemon card, as much as I actually like that. And I enjoy that stuff too. So, um, there are a lot of others, middle earth. There's, there, there's a bunch of stuff and, Part of my goal is I want to become really knowledgeable in all of these things 
And there's also playing cards. I'm getting knowledgeable in playing cards. There are playing cards that are 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years old um, with with amazing kind of intricate hand-drawn art, mm-hmm. tarot, tarot reading cards. Like there's yeah. there's all sorts of things. And so my interests expand far beyond Pokemon, even though I love Pokemon and, and Pokemon is what started it for me again as an adult, kind of going down this rabbit hole. So. No, that's really cool, man. So many things there that are brand new to me, and it's and it's fascinating because I, you know, I too have an interest in history and a lot of those things, and uh, I think that very often, especially when you get into the space of being on YouTube and social media, you have a tendency to kind of pigeonhole yourself, uh, whether you know consciously or subconsciously, you kind of pigeonhole yourself into like this is what I do, and this is you know this is kind of the hole that I fit into. Uh, when in actuality, there's like a, this diverse range of hobbies and interests out there just within the, the trading card, CCG, playing card realm that uh, I think we, we very often overlook or we don't pursue because of that, right? And, I, and I'll, I'll be the first to admit that that's, you know, probably a downfall of mine as well is that uh, haven't really explored all of these things because you just focus so much of your attention on this on this one thing specifically Pokemon but uh, th- those are really interesting I'm definitely going to uh, to check a lot of those out yeah um, I I um I, I think that uh, fine I, I plug my patreon I'm going in I'm starting to teach people about these things so if people are interested in that you know I'm 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 doing the research I'm learning I'm trying to get the best data I'm reaching out to all all these older card stores across the country and talking to them about all these things so um, I I think that um, the, you know the danger right is you, you have to think about your the quality of your life and you have to be clear about like how much of an addictive personality you have around this stuff because the danger of expanding and learning about more things is that you may really want to buy them. And then, and then you're really not investing. You're, you're mm-hmm. actually have a problem, <laughs> you know, and, spoken and like I, a true psychologist. It's, it's well, so and true. I made a video on it, right? Because I, I have that. So I have to watch that for myself. And so there's always that balance, but learning is so I love learning. So even mm-hmm. if you don't buy these things, I think just learning about the history of like, if you're really passionate, I think that part of it comes from that. Like if it isn't just, and it's fine if this is mostly just about money, you know, for people in the chat or people out there, but it's like when you're really passionate for me, where that passion really shines the brightest is actually not with the money. Although I'm very interested in finances and passion about that too, but, uh, but it shines with the the history and, and the learning and the education and the, Oh my gosh, that's so cool that that exists. And there are so few of them and I love the art and I never saw that. That same thing that probably so many people here still feel for Pokemon because they're still discovering things in Pokemon, you know, and I think that that there's that too is a lot of people here are newer and you can take your time with Pokemon and discover all those great things in Pokemon and then move to some of these other mm-hmm. things too. So. Gosh, I forget the question almost to this. <laughs> what other CCGs, TCGs um, are you into? Yeah, uh, I mean all sorts of things, kind of like what you guys said, but uh, yeah, I, so I had to, I had to be cognizant and focused um, getting into this market, just like I'm sure like a lot of people watching and perhaps you guys too, I have a fairly addictive personality and I get hyper-focused on something and I want to, I want to optimize. I want to, you know, be the best and level up and get, you know, get this and get that and invest in this and that. 
Um, so I had to, <laughs> I had to be very specific with, with what I got into. So of course, Pokemon, but, uh, aside from that magic, the gathering is actually a pretty heavy, um, collect, uh, co- interest of mine, I guess we could say collection and investment, I guess you could couple those, uh, as well as I really like the old original world of Warcraft cards. I just really like the, the artwork of them. It's from an investment standpoint, that is arguable at best. Uh, that is certainly just a me thing that I really enjoy sports cards. I really, really like football, uh, specifically, that's just something that I understand more, but, uh, from an interesting play, uh, potential, um, I'm sure a lot of people know, um, but the Major League Soccer over the last decade has seen a 30% increase in attendance and interest and sales. Uh, so that's very interesting because I believe it's still very much so in its global infancy. Um, so like picking up certain product or cards um, is definitely appealing and, and interests me as well as Flesh and Blood and Y Schwartz. Uh, of course, I don't talk about that too much on the channels. Uh, again, the whole niche aspect there, but uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll branch out some more. But uh, of all of those, to just give you guys like kind of a pull the curtain back for Captain's Axe Barrel, I really like Magic the Gathering, and I really like Weiss Schwartz. Uh, yes, Flesh and Blood is a play, but just because it's so new, I don't really know that much about it. I'm not an expert of Flesh and Blood. I don't really know if anyone is at, at this stage in the game. But uh, yeah, that's that's what I'm interested in. No, that's, that's that's cool, man. I, I've been getting a little bit more into uh, magic lately, sort of uh, by by proxy, uh, because everybody around me, all of my my business partners, are all super into magic, and so they've uh, they've been get, they've been getting nav into it. It's gonna be it's gonna be alpha nav here before too. <laughs> for me personally, I mean, for I, I you know, talking about. Um, like the like addictive personalities and, and and worrying about that like for me personally I've I've never had an addictive personality in the sense of I've always been very grounded right I, I feel I've always been very grounded my I think my my downfall is I'm all I'm hyper competitive right so if I see that maybe there's somebody else else out there that's like hey you've got I, I really like this and you've got a bigger collection than me and I want to outdo that. That's my personal downfall. Or if I see, you know, hey, you've got, you know, you you made this much this month in investing in X, Y, or Z, I want to be able to outdo that, right? And so it's like that hyper uh, competitive nature in me is sometimes a similar downfall and very very similar to almost the addictive personality where you you know maybe you shouldn't be doing this, right? But, but because of that inner nature, it kind of pushes you over the edge. So that's where I, I have to rein it back in and be like, no, you need to, you know, just do your thing. Stick to what you like. Stick to what you enjoy. Um, but for me, it's always been Pokemon and uh, Dragon Ball Z, pretty much. Uh, Jake was talking about the old scorecards. I really haven't gotten into uh, Dragon Ball Super. Uh, one, because I didn't really care for Dragon Ball Super as the anime for the show. Um, it just didn't have the same kind of vibe that Dragon Ball Z did. So that's where I like the scorecards way more, way more. And that's where I really like to uh, focus more of my collecting is on the old scorecards because I did. As soon as I got out of Pokemon in around 2002, um, that was my next progression 
was to Dragon Ball Z. And that and I I actually to this day have more uh Dragon Ball Z scorecards uh from my childhood collection than I do Pokemon, interestingly enough. So um but no, that's that that's that's really good. I, I really like that I think we'll go ahead and kind of wrap it up around here. Um I told you guys beforehand it, Seven and O Cardinals playing tonight, baby, against the six and one Packers. Got to be, <laughs> we got to be ready for that. But uh, I think that's really a really good place to leave off uh, because what I love there is that both you guys have kind of pulled back the curtains, like Jack in, in or Zach in your words, and we get to see a little bit more of that kind of that uh, that fanciful side right that that inner child jake seeing a lot of the the cars that you're going at because you love them you enjoy them you have a personal attachment to them zach you as well um and to me like a lot of a lot of it is that's what it's all about at the end of the day you know 10 years from now 15 years from now jake you've said it several times if you buy something and you buy it overpriced but and it and it goes to zero if you love it you enjoy it 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 doesn't matter as long as you've maintained financial prudence it really doesn't matter because you love it so um i i just i really love that sentiment and i think it's something that um that needs to permeate a little bit more through the ether right so i'll I'll turn it back over to you guys uh any last things that you'd like to uh like to say um go ahead I think there's, you know, there's there's quite a bit of schemes and people calling out schemes and negativity and <laughs> and a lot of stuff out in the social media YouTube world. I think that a large portion of it is is healthyish and it's going to sort of like resolve itself and and it's all part of bullish periods where there's just lots of opportunity and lots of people rushing to one space. And as Nav said, competitiveness is, is a huge, you know, people being competitive, trying to make more money, you know, outdo each other, whether it's through their content or through their business strategies, or, you know, looking at other people who are making a lot of money and saying, I should be doing that. And then changing what you're, you know, or, you know, or, or using like clickbait or different sort of like YouTube tactics to, to, to maneuver the algorithm in, you know, in your favor, like that stuff is all to be expected. The most important thing is just to like figure out how to sustainably enjoy yourself (laughs) and go back to like what brought you here, what makes you happy, what you appreciate. You could take tastes. I think of that drama, you know, can be kind of fun and, and, you know, even and, and, and enjoyable if you come at it with like a lighthearted from a lighthearted place, you know, there are, also times where, you know, when I feel like someone's getting hurt, that's where I get like, you know, my fang, my like anger, I'm an, you know, I have anger (laughs) and where my anger comes out, um, in that sort of protectiveness of like, you know, these people are getting hurt like this or that, but I know that I'm going to be a collector of sorts for the foreseeable future. My father is, it, it runs in the genes. I've always been this way. And I'm just, it's just fun to do it with other people. And so for me, it's all about making that sustainable. And as I build a family and, and other sorts of things, making my YouTube habits, my Patreon, my collecting habits kind of fit within the other parts of my life, which are, you know, of utmost value to me, you know, that sort of thing. So I think, I think coming back to that place for everyone, you know, and for all of us and, and what I really want to say to like YouTubers, like small YouTubers, we're, we're all small YouTubers, you know, we're all YouTubers who, who it isn't, this isn't like, you know, you don't make a lot of money doing this. You don't, you know, but 
it becomes even more important to like do things in a way that you enjoy, that you find ethical, that you find that value so that you don't burn out. And, and what I really want to say is try to resist the urge to take shortcuts or, or do things that don't feel, um, uh, yeah, like up to each of your standards and to the standards of, of um, and this isn't directed at you guys as doing anything wrong. <laughs> I just want everyone to know it's very, very clearly what I'm saying. I'm zero talking negatively about either of these two gentlemen here, but, but, you know, just as it, it's, it's, it's hard. And, and Nav and I were talking about this before the camera was, cameras went on, but, you know, it can be hard to sit and particularly with that competitive nature that I have too, sit and watch people do things, you know, certain things and jump ahead or make more money. But, we, you know, having a certain ethical business standard of like what you're willing, what you're not willing to do and having the patience and kind of the work ethic to, to stay within what you believe in and sort of your dream for your business or your dream for your content. Um, yeah. It, you know, and, and people who are doing that, like we should all be super supportive of them basically, even if we disagree with their arguments or their, their, their ideas, you know, at the end of the day. So. Yeah, the, the only thing I'd want to add at the end would be, uh, Jake touched on it there, would just be uh, the positivity in the community. This community is awesome. Like I see a lot of the same comments and a lot of the same mods and different uh, groups and you guys are awesome. Um, I do see, of course, negativity here and there, but uh, you guys are better than that. Like when I, whenever I see like fighting and bickering, um, I would assume the type of people that watch these kind of channels, you're adults. And uh, I'm not your mom, but you should act like an adult. So w spreading toxicity and oh, well, this person's a dummy because this Pogetuber said this, and he's looking at this through this lens, and this guy's looking at it through a rich man's lens. Like we're all people at the end of the day, putting someone in a box, like there's, there's no way you can do that. Life is so much more varied than that. So, uh, just be careful the the type of content that you're consuming and uh, be careful with what you're saying with your mouth because that stuff, it does impact people. There's a real human soul on the end of that <laughs> channel uh, mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Like I, I have to go to work. I have to support my wife and family and these guys do as well. So uh, yeah, just be nice and have mm -hmm. fun with it. That's, that's where I'm going to leave it. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it guys. And, and, and you're both absolutely right. Um, it is a strong community. It, it's a fun community or it can be a fun community uh, to be in. There's always going to be outliers. There's always going to be some negativity, but um, in the end, um, I think if we kind of stick by each other and understand that even though Pokemon and like Pokemon YouTubers and all these things, it can seem like because most of us, this is a lot of what we consume, right? There's a lot of the content that we consume. Um, it can seem like everything exists in a vacuum and to understand that there is a lot more um, outside of this. And uh, there's, there's, a whole, there's a whole big world out there. Um, but that in order to be, in order to, I've, I've said this from the beginning, in, we're really laying the bricks, we're laying the foundation right now uh, for the future of this hobby for for TCGs in general. Um, so how do we want that foundation to be? Do we want it to have tons of cracks in it, or do we want it to be to be strong? Um, and ultimately, that's the choices uh, that everyone, whether you're a YouTuber, whether you're just somebody that is watching a YouTuber, whether you're somebody going to conventions, to Collecticons, whatever, 
If you're a part of this community, you are a brick in that foundation. And so you need to honestly recognize that as a as a responsibility. But uh, gentlemen, I want to thank you guys so much, especially Zach for coming on last second. Truly appreciate you uh, being here, and uh, I love the conversation tonight. So I'm sure um, I'd like to I'd like to have you on in the future for just a mono and mono uh, podcast as well. Um, but I'll give you guys one last little go here. Uh, anything that you want to announce to everybody here in the chat? Anything that you guys have upcoming or uh, you know socials? You guys have the floor. Um, Captain Zach Sparrow, you can find my relevant info in the description of my videos. If you just YouTube it, um, I talk about Pokemon sometimes and sometimes I get a little goofy. That's, that's what I got. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good with the, uh, with, with a shout out, just a pleasure. <laughs> it's nice being here with you guys. It was, it was fun talking Pokemon. I've had some other life stuff going on and just personal stuff and people to be taken care of in my family the last few weeks. So I missed just like hanging out and talking Pokemon. I haven't made a video in a little while. So it's, it's nice. Um, just like getting a chance to do it. And I'm, I, I like both of you guys a lot and I just want you guys to keep making content and going on sort of your, your journeys and, and all those sorts of things. So thanks for, uh, having me and it was nice spending, spending a couple hours with you both. Excellent. Excellent. Again, big, big thank you guys. And a big thank you to everyone that joined in tonight, everybody in the live chat. I know we didn't get through all the questions, but I certainly appreciate all of you that joined in and the questions that you did ask. And other than that, guys, we will see you all next time. You have a fantastic rest of your week. We'll see you in the next episode.